0: The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. You've heard me talk about Cog Hill every single episode this season, and we will continue to do so because they are one of the premier golf destinations in the Chicagoland area. Featuring 72 holes of championship golf, including the world-famous Dubs Dread, Cog Hill has just upgraded their entire practice academy to include top tracer, two bars, a food truck, and a full family experience that anyone will enjoy. Go out to CogHillGolf.com to learn more. We are also brought to you by our friends over at WorldwideGolfShops.com. If you're looking to upgrade your game this year or if you're just trying to pick up some new pieces of golf apparel or even some training aids to help you score better, WorldwideGolfShops.com has you covered. The best part about this website is they always offer incredible deals on some of the newest equipment even just days after its release. Once again, it's WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. This is your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You know where you can find me all over social media, at golfunfiltered, Unfiltered, and then you can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Last week we finished up our Ben Hogan series, where I was rereading uh, Ben Hogan's five lessons and at least giving my impressions of them, uh, my thoughts on them, and I got a lot of good feedback from all of you who listened. Thank you for that, and I hope that it helped some of you. Obviously, not being a professional, you know, golf coach myself or an instructor, uh, but it is nice to just reflect on some of the the teachings of Mister Hogan. Uh, because he did so, so well, and they transcend the years and the state of the game, which is going to be somewhat the topic today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about the Live Golf versus the PGA Tour uh, saga that continues. There's obviously new things that get learned along the way, and it's hard to record episodes on a weekly podcast about this topic, because by the time that this airs, I'm recording this on a Saturday morning, Something else is bound to happen, and so it's already going to be somewhat outdated. So I want to keep it general. I want to talk a little bit about some of the the feelings and the emotions as well as the, the uh, hot takes, I guess you want to say, that not only I've shared on social media, but others and things I'm seeing in the landscape of golf. And at the end of the day, I don't believe that any of this is good for the game of golf, at least at the professional level. But there is, of course, a bigger picture here, which is just the game of golf in general and I think that's going to be perfectly fine which I'm sure you would agree with that so let's break things down first and foremost if you've listened to this podcast for any stretch of time you know that I've recorded many episodes regarding live golf there was actually an episode where I said I'm not going to talk about them anymore and that was foolish because they are not going away in every sense of the word a few episodes ago I actually recorded an episode. Detailing why I think Live Golf is going to be successful. It's become one of the most listened to episodes on this podcast feed, at least in recent years. And clearly that's because you land in one of two camps. You are supportive of Live Golf. You like everything that's happening with it. You love the fact that they're disrupting professional golf, at least on the men's side. Or you're in the other camp where you hate everything about it. You hate what they stand for. You you don't like the fact that Saudi Arabia is backing it from the, uh, the PIF or the Public Investment Fund, and there's very few listeners, I would imagine, at least there are very few on social media, who kind of fall in the middle. So, just to set the stage for today's monologue, it's okay if you like Live Golf. It's perfectly fine. If you like the product, if you like the 54-hole format, if you like the shotgun starts that they do, if you like the names of the players that are jumping over to Live Golf, And of course, if you like the outrageous prize money and maybe most importantly, the team atmosphere, that's okay. It's very catchy. There's a lot of good things to like about it. It's completely different. It's a completely contrasting model to that of what we know uh, professional golf is. That's the worst sentence I've ever said, but you know what I'm trying to say. It's completely different than the PGA Tour. And yeah, I mean, there are some somewhat entertaining pros that have jumped over to live golf. I mean, how can you not enjoy watching the likes of Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, hell, I'll even throw in uh, Sergio Garcia and Ian Poulter. I mean, they have played good golf in their careers and they have been at some point enjoyable to watch. Now, everything off the course is where subjectivity comes in. And I guess the whole thing's subjective, of course. But if we just focus on the people playing the game of golf and the format in which they're playing and all of the 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 lasers and the rock shows and the uh, just the pomp and circumstance of this new thing that they are trying to roll out and drive excitement into the game of golf. There's a lot to like about it. I totally get it. And of course on the opposite side if you're a traditionalist if you're someone that has grown up watching the PGA Tour Perhaps you're a top-ranked amateur that is trying to make it to the PGA Tour, and they have always been the tour that you've watched. You've grown up loving Tiger Woods, and perhaps even players prior to Tiger. You know the history. You know the events. You recognize the events. It's okay to just like them as well. There's nothing wrong with that. And no matter which camp you find yourself in, and yeah, you may be in that third category. I'll call you the 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 middles, I don't know, um, you probably like aspects of both from purely the golf standpoint, then good for you too. But regardless of where you find yourself, there, there's nothing wrong with being in that camp. Where things start to get a little iffy, and I'm being nice <laughs> with that, is when stones start getting cast across both sides. Now, I'm not going to sit here and be hypocritical. I have made my stance known as to which camp that I, I fall into. And honestly, as time has gone on, I think I'm actually maybe in a fourth camp where I could give a shit less about either of these two tours right now. I will watch the majors. I think everything that's going on outside of the gulf itself has turned this into just a complete circus. So whatever that camp is, I'm kind of in there. But there's this... This feeling, as we are, at least in the United States, and perhaps outside the United States, there's so much divisiveness of our own doing. You can't go on social media, which all of us live on, as much as we hate to say that, and as much as we might want to ignore the fact, we live on social media. You can't go on there without seeing, well, it's either us or them. And if you're with them, then we hate you. And then there's the snarkiness that comes through on social media where at least in in recent weeks. Oh, well, you've got a problem with Saudi Arabia money being in live golf? Well, clearly you don't drive a car then because they have oil. And then you know, there's other examples of that where yes, Saudi Arabia money is everywhere. I mean, they're probably the most wealthy anything in the world, <laughs> you know. It, there's money everywhere from them. It's not a good argument though. It just really isn't, and uh, my point today is to not lay out why I think you should feel and think about this the way that I do. I, you be you, you think about this however you want, but I'm just—I don't know if it's it's hyper aware or maybe it's hypersensitive to the poor arguments that are being brought up on social where it's like, well, the what about crowd, they're the worst. They're the worst in my opinion. Well, what about this? What about that? You know, oh, this might be bad, but this person did the same thing. It's important to look at things for what they are in the present and not necessarily take them for face value. I'm not insinuating that, but it's possible to disagree with the stance and the purpose and the origins of live golf for what it is and understand that that is different than the marketing that's been fed to us. Similarly, it's okay to still like the PGA tour, but also acknowledge that it's not perfect. And I've, I've asked many times it's long. It's it's far from perfect by the way. I have asked many times on social media, well, can somebody explain to me what's so bad about PGA Tour life? You know, because we hear these stories of Pat Perez and and Bryson and and the list goes on and on saying that they had things so bad on the PGA Tour. At the end of the day, let's just call it what it is. They want to get paid. They view themselves on the same level as professional basketball or professional baseball or professional football, professional whatever athletes who get paid mountains more money, at least the top tier players do, than professional golfers. They want to be treated that way. I forget who said it. It may have been Patrick Reed early on, and I got to be careful here because he's suing everybody now, but early on when he made his jump to live golf, he, there there was a, and I'm going to paraphrase here. There was a comment saying that he, this is the way that they should be treated. I believe Pat Perez's wife, said the same thing on one of her social media accounts. They're being treated like royalty. And if that's what they want to do, if that's why they got into the game, if that's why they continue to play the game, it might not be why they got into the game. Let's let's be fair. Uh, but it's certainly, at least for some of them, the main reason why they remain in this professional sport. Then that's okay, in my mind. At least to be honest about it. Pat Perez was very honest about it. Hell, even David Faraday eventually was honest about it. He said, Yeah, they paid me a bunch of money, so that's why I'm working over here now. And if we're going to hold the opinion of live golf is bad and these players are greedy, then the one what about argument that I actually subscribe to is. This is their profession. This is what they do for a living. And it's not a good argument to make if you were to say, well, they didn't make enough money. Well, of course they made enough money, but they want more money. All of us, at least to an extent, and it may differ as to how much it needs to be, all of us would accept a higher payment. Now, I'm... On a group chat, you've heard me talk about them before. Many of them have been on this show as guests. And a while ago, one of us asked the question: Well, if you were offered live golf money, or if you were offered a chance to go and cover live golf, who would do it? And I would say that most of the people on this chat said that they would. Very honest answers. I, I admittedly said I wouldn't, and it's not because I think I'm better than whatever money that would be thrown my way. And this is all hypothetical because they're not going to throw any money my way. But me knowing myself personally, it, it would it would mess with me too much to know that, yeah, I can be bought. I can be bought. Now, that is a, a conversation within the context of a group chat speaking in hypotheticals, right? Well... I'm going to share something personal as well. So you all know, or most of you know, that I do not do this full time. I have to work as I actually work as a project manager and I've worked in healthcare for a very long time. And just recently I accepted a new job. I have my reasons for doing so. I won't go into them here, but I wasn't looking to take a pay cut. So everything's relative in terms of where you are in your profession to make money, in order to sustain whatever it is that you need to sustain, whether it be your way of living, um, there's the common refrain of, "Well, there's some people that do well with you know minimum wage; they got to do this." Well, take that into account too. There, how many people do you know that are actually living only on minimum wage? Think about that. I, I would guess there aren't many that you know. So where does that even come from? Well, as we've talked about on this podcast, and it's a joke on social media a lot of times. It's mentioned in jest, I should say. It's this thing called the narrative. And there is no doubt, there is no doubt that the major news outlets, and even some of the more independent ones have a narrative that they are trying to tell or sell in many instances if ads or sponsors are involved. But by all means, it has to be protected. Now, sometimes the narrative is a shared narrative where many people understand what's being said, most people agree with it, and then therefore that's what they're going to talk about. It spans multiple outlets. But then most of the time, there are narratives that are conflicting, and so you're going to gravitate towards your preferred news source. And I'm not just talking about golf here, obviously. I mean, think about anything that you talk about or, or we, the society thinks about. You've got your favorite channels. You've got your favorite websites. And the, the contrast between competing news sources is stark these days. It is really, really just black and white uh, opposites, and that becomes confusing. And you can see this division happening. At least, let's just say, golf Twitter, a a popular place that many of us get our golf news. People's eyes have been glued to their smartphones or their their computer screens to get updates on live golf. The lawsuits that are being filed everywhere. There is a division. There. Yet the game of golf remains, and now it becomes oh, there's different flavors of golf. And some think that the other flavor is way too sour. Look, we all know how the world is right now, and we all contribute to it in our own little way, either through inaction or Action Maybe saying words uh, in my case, maybe sometimes into a microphone or or maybe even on social media itself. everyone is trying to find their footing on whatever topic happens to be on the table at the moment, as it pertains to professional golf there's a deep tribalism that is happening right now, and my fear is the game of golf itself is being harmed. Maybe not to a point where it can't be saved, but the game of golf is certainly different now than it was. But there's hope because the game might seem different to golf sickos like you and me who talk about it all the time and, and play it often and read about it I any. Mean, moment we get. But then there's a really big group of people who have no idea that any of this stuff is going on between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. It's kind of like the ignorance is bliss mentality, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not, you know, sometimes that, that phrase has a negative connotation to it. It there is, there is definitely bliss in that ignorance. Hey, real quick, folks, I wanted to tell you and remind you about our partnership with Gooder Sunglasses, G-O-O-D-R- Sunglasses. They're very affordable. They look great. They've got all sorts of different styles. And I wear sunglasses every time I play golf. I love Gooder sunglasses. And if you want to go pick up a pair right now, go to Gooder G-O-O-D-R dot com slash no filter and you get a little bit of a discount to kinda of help you out. Go out and do it right now. Gooder slash no filter. Okay, back to the conversation. And Where I see or where I hope this whole competition ends up, this us versus them, is somewhere in the realm of if you're really interested in it, you can find out more information. And perhaps even better, it's going to be so negligible that the two factions are going to end up reaching a compromise. And I mean, hell, we already know that the antitrust lawsuit if you've been paying attention, has been pushed until 2024. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, it isn't, but it is. And there's going to be a lot that happens between now and then. There's going to be more people that leave the PGA Tour and go to live golf, especially now since the litigation has been pushed out so far. I mean, what do they have to lose? Go make a few hundred million dollars in the next two years. But eventually, it's just going to maybe be an afterthought. I truly believe that cooler heads will prevail in one way or another. I Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it's okay if you like live golf. It's okay if you only like the PGA Tour. I do hope that at some point we're not going to need to crap on one to justify the other. And I know that that's asking a lot. I mean, it's human nature these days. I wonder... When we think about the NFL, for example, and all the imperfections it has, and certainly it's been in the news recently for for very bad things regarding one of its highest profile players. But when we think about the salaries and the contracts that get awarded to these uh these players, I wonder if it's just we become numb to the money. We become numb to the agreements. And it's like, oh, okay, um, Colin Morikawa is going to play the, here now. That's cool. If I want to watch him, I just turn the channel to this other thing. I mean, I, I think that would be in the best interest for, for Live Golf, of course. I mean, clearly, they're going to have to turn a profit at some point, and if they can land a business or a TV deal, rather, uh, they're going to get sponsors. They're going to have commercials, of course, and they're going to end up getting those dollars to recoup what is being thrown at these players. Regardless of what we think morally, ethically, what they're actually trying to do and what they themselves, Saudi Arabia's government, have come out to say what they're trying to do to better their image. Um, is that going to just kind of fall into the, the background? Is that going to be wallpaper in terms of what we worry about anymore? I don't know. Again, that would be in the best interest of Live Golf. As far as the PGA Tour goes, well... As we all know, again, if you've been following closely, Tiger Woods flies in for a players-only meeting. They have this, this agreement that the best players are going to make it a point to play more tournaments against one another to strengthen the field, so to speak. Well, that's a good thing for PGA Tour fans. So I don't really see this in the long term, certainly in the short term. But in the long term, I don't see this as being a, you can only like one or the other. I really don't. It doesn't make much sense. I mean, and this is, uh, many of you know I live in the Chicagoland area, and I mean, we've got two baseball teams here, you know? You're either a Sox fan like me, or you're a Cubs fan like most of my friends. I mean, there's some weirdos that say, I'm just a Chicago fan. We don't talk to those people. (laughs) But it's not going to be like that. I really don't think it is. I mean, because I don't believe that Golf doesn't have that uh, factor in it where you have to pick one or the other. And maybe this is the start of that. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe it's going to be a matter of, you know what, where do I go get my Majestics uh, merchandise? You know, no one's trying to go get PGA Tour merchandise by any means. But I just don't, what I don't see things uh, turning into is the popularity of the NBA or NFL or anything like that. You know, team-based sports. I, uh, this isn't going to be that. No, I don't think it's going to be that way at all. It just, it, the personalities aren't the same. The game takes way too long to watch on TV. Um, there's a lot that go against it just because of the way that golf works. So, in a way all of this nonsense and the name calling and the picking sides these last what let's just say year it's really a waste of time it really is now again if you follow me on social i know you're probably rolling your eyes adam you've contributed to this you've said these things you've made your stance known well that's okay too and you can as well you can as well but the the what about crowd again as i mentioned earlier that's, that's just a lazy argument. It really is. It is possible for multiple things to be true at the same time. And um, throwing stones and uh, trying to prove someone else wrong by bringing up another example completely unrelated to things, I, it's, I just I don't understand that. It doesn't take a lot of constructive thought to do that. So where does that leave professional golf right now? Well, uh, I think professional golf, in my opinion, is the uh, lowest it's ever been. Uh, Certainly, there's a lot of intrigue. There's a ton of chatter everywhere, and you're going to be able to see things on news outlets that don't typically cover golf because there's a lot of money being thrown around, and they have politicized it as well. And as much as we, I mean, we politicize everything these days, Um, But when you have a former president appearing at a tournament on that former president's golf course, along with, uh, you know, some pretty, I guess, well-known names in Congress and other news networks appearing at that tournament, I mean, it's hard to not politicize things. Everything's a lightning rod right now for this. And it's, it's unfortunately the way that life is. Right now, at least in the United States. Maybe it is everywhere else. I don't know. But I guess I'm also hoping that that dies down. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it's not about golf at all then. It becomes something much more ugly. And there's no way that people are going to find common ground if it becomes this politicized thing. It just, there's no way. And that is something that can only harm golf, Really. It can only harm golf because it becomes, well, like I said, it becomes something other than about the game. The last thing I'll say, um, at least on this episode, is, you know, I forget who mentioned it. I may have seen it on uh, on social, but the profession... Oh, I know. I was talking with... um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. I was talking with Terry Kaler. He is a... uh, Is an individual who's been in the golf equipment side of the game for a very long time. Many of you listening to this probably recognize the name. He was behind uh, Score Wedges. Uh, He also was the CEO of Ben Hogan Golf for a stint. Um, And now he uh, makes Edison Wedges. Um, He and I were talking on the phone recently. Um, I'm going to do a review for them. And uh, he mentioned that professional golf does not drive amateur golf. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Amateur golf drives professional golf. It's the majority of people who play this game who won't play it professionally, who may be fans of professional golf, but they're the ones that go out every week, they go to the range, they go to the municipal courses, maybe their country clubs, and they play golf and they're the ones that keep the game of golf alive. And in the moment, I I totally agreed with that. I still do. And having thought about what Terry was sailing, uh, saying, saying, um, man, he hit the nail on the head. There is so much more about this game than just what these overpaid, as Patrick Cantley once famously said on a hot mic, pampered fucks uh, worry about uh, in the pro side. There's so much more to this game than what those people do. They're almost on the fringe. I mean, we always talk about when, in terms of like the distance rollbacks or that whole conversation. Remember those good old days when that's what we argued about? Uh, They say, oh, these things are only going to impact the top .0001% of golfers. Well, yeah, they're still in that percentage. There's so many other people in this game. You, me, the people that we, you know, play with. They're the ones who are the driving force behind everything we are the ones we're the ones that control this so don't get so wrapped up and i maybe i'm talking to myself a little bit here but don't get so wrapped up in what is happening at the pro level i mean yeah it's entertaining from a you know current affair type you know newsworthy item but don't let that true crime entertainment feel cloud what really is the bigger picture here. And that is just to continue to enjoy golf the way that you want to enjoy it. Good friend of mine, Chris McEwen, you know who he is. He's been on the show many times. We play golf often. Um, he's a strong supporter of that phrase. Don't tell me how to enjoy the game. And I get it. Yeah, he's right. And I mean, we really can't tell these pros, what they should or shouldn't do, no matter what we feel, morally, ethically, whatever Lee <laughs> uh, they're going to do what they're going to do. And whatever they choose to do, that doesn't win us anything. You know, I don't become a better golfer because, you know, Jordan Spieth decided to stay on the PGA Tour. I mean, who cares? It's just where they, where they play golf. So, I hope this episode made sense. I I was thinking about recording this and I knew I didn't want to have a guest on because I just wanted to kind of like get it off my chest. And there's just so much going on that, uh, you know, it is exhausting. I am, I am tired of it and I know I still talk about it. And sometimes conversations like this, where it's a matter of like, hold on, let's take a step back and just realize what the hell are we doing? You know, sometimes that's helpful. Let me know what your thoughts are. You can find me on social at Golf Unfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. That's all for this week, folks. We'll be back again next week. I hope you're still playing golf. Uh, Weather's still good out here in Chicagoland. I hope you're all being kind to one another, and I think that's the underlying theme. You know, it's something I end my show with every single week is just be kind to one another. And then I go turn around and I go on social and I start poking fun at people. Like, why do I do that? i don't know i gotta be better and i hope that we can all be better too uh stay safe stay well hit them long hit them straight we'll be back soon